Inherently Happy, Episode 65, Happy Romance. Yowza ha ha. Happy friends and happy lovers. In my time, I've been the hopeless romantic with limited success. I've looked to others for advice when learning by doing is never more true than when it deals with feelings. Besides, every tip about romance treats it like a game, a dance, a sport, or a hunt. A fleeting, anxious balance of timing, tension, and technique. Where, if even one of the factors isn't perfectly right, then all is lost. What happened to people just connecting and finding significance in the company of others? What did we do before dating services? How did humanity survive those early years? Well, they probably understood the mutual benefit of connecting with other people. So my advice on romance is don't take any advice on romance too close to heart, as individual results may vary wildly. One size does not fit all. If a meaningful and honest relationship is desired, then you have to be honest and meaningful. The thing I remind myself to do, which has been developed after taking some hard knocks to the heart, is to connect as best I can maintain. I no longer pour on the woo to quite so unsustainable a degree, because that's an unrealistic ideal to hold myself to, and eventual disappointment will likely result all around. Now, now, I just try to make connections with people. People who like to connect, that I have something in common with. If they appreciate the connection, then they'll meet me halfway, and the connection will grow. If they were waiting for me to do some grand gesture to prove my intentions, well, they're a little late for that party. I connect if there's a connection, but I no longer push. I still make an effort, sure, because the alternative to connection is hatred and fear, which can isolate you and send you to an early grave. People keep us engaged and vital. So find someone who shares your interest and share your interests. In the past, I've followed the advice of every romance column and movie I could find, and so was very persistent in my search for love, as they recommended. I never quit. I never gave up. I just pined and wooed and doted and schemed. And sometimes it even worked. But what had I won, really? Someone who needed significant convincing, and therefore whose loyalty would always be suspect, which made me very jealous and possessive. Strictly monogamous, locked in. My crush, my date, my girlfriend. Until my fiancé decided that instead of a wedding, she'd rather be polyamorous? A word I had to look up. It means she wanted more than one ongoing romantic relationship. A suggestion which nobody makes, as it happens, of course, unless they already have a candidate in mind. I myself had no other prospects, so I felt a bit behind. I tried to learn more about the polyamorous lifestyle, if that's where we were headed. So determined was I not to lose my relationship. So I went to a discussion group and met some really nice people. Apparently, you can be the sole monogamous one in a polyamorous relationship. This was going to be unbalanced for a minute. Of course, I needn't have worried, 
since she wasn't actually serious or honest. She really just wanted a monogamous relationship the whole time, just not with me. And she was too cowardly to tell me the truth. She hated feeling emotions, you see. And as an artist and a human being, I apparently have those. Something she knew about me from the get-go. I don't try to hide it. I even managed to draw out some of hers, hidden deep. No wonder she, sh- she sought out someone emotionless like her. Her ploy, it turned out, because when the dust settled, I could look back and see the winding path she wound up taking, was to sneak, lie, and cheat. Which is, I guess, cruelly fun for her. But to get away with it by misusing the term polyamory. What she failed to understand is that polyamory isn't a license to step out. In fact, it requires far more honesty than traditional monogamous relationships in order to keep it going, since there's a lot more moving parts and moving hearts. So I was saddened, but not altogether surprised to discover she was sexting and trading naughty pics. She later insisted on the fact that she didn't actually cheat due to our polyamory accord, because that's as much as she thought I knew. Her lies were based on her own misguided presumption of innocence, when I had untold evidence to the contrary. You see, she must have forgotten that we lived together and that we shared passwords, or else she was hoping to get caught, and it was all part of her thrill. I didn't want to play the jealousy game. If she didn't want to be with me, I didn't want her either. I just wanted to see how far she'd take her lies. So I started bringing up things I could only know if I had been reading her emails and texts, such as the existence of erotic pics taken in the bathroom. But I phrased them as hypotheticals, like, when you like someone, you have a tendency to share risque pics, like you in the bathroom wearing nothing but a towel as I tried to get her to come clean. And she even burst out and said, well, you just know everything, don't you? To which I feigned innocence. Are you saying you did share pics of you in a towel? To which she said, no, because it was actually a shot of her topless, save for her hands insufficiently covering her breasts. A pic she took minutes after assuring me that her guy friend had no interests in her romantically. This was before she landed on the polyamory ploy. So your guy friend, whom you only ever had lunch with and stayed over at his house the night of that party, only it wasn't a party, it was just you going over to his place and lying about it, but nothing else happened, you swear? And then going out to dinner with him and instead of driving straight back, decided to instead to park in a deserted warehouse district to presumably talk about packages, loading docks, and wide gaping doors... When you have that app that connects people by location, you might want to turn it off when cheating, unless that's part of the fun for you. You know, the cruelty. (laughs) You really do have no heart. You weren't kidding when you said you were broken all the times you said it. I should have listened. My bad. Instead of trying to love and support you. But love burns your cold heart like fire and must be avoided with extreme prejudice. I couldn't wait for her to leave after that. And then... When those cool polyamory people told me they were meeting up for dinner at a pub, I went and had a great time. We didn't even talk about polyamory, just about life. Then I got invited to a house party. Costumes encouraged, but not required. 
I opted out of the costume part, but there were some interesting creations, all unique. I brought chips and dip to share, and also because I knew if there was nothing else, I could always eat that. But there was a ton of food and booze, a proper party. Nobody tried to molest me or anything, but I did meet people that were trying to make multiple relationships work. Honesty and respect were the cornerstones, just like with any relationship, only more so. It was interesting to talk to them. They still looked for that connection that we all do, but they admitted to themselves that one person couldn't always solely answer the needs of another. I wasn't sure if I should consider it for myself. I just wanted to not be so hopeless a romantic. A hopeless romantic woos and woos some more. And if by such wooing he possesses the object of his desire, then is it a trophy merely? Connect and share, not persist, persist and possess. I had convinced that fallen fiancé of mine to date me only after a solid year of wooing. She had already ruled against our compatibility at the start, but I was persistent, like a dutifully hopeless romantic, until she decided to give me a try. And since I was a new thing, she felt better about herself, while at the same time feeling guilty. That she never mentioned that she had a boyfriend, until after we started to connect, through emails and chatting, jokes and laughter, and yes, flirtation. We even went to lunch together, just the two of us. Which is where I asked her to go to see a movie with me, by one of our favorite directors. She made some excuse and hemmed and hawed, so I dropped it. Then later, in an email, anything to avoid real in-person human emotion, she told me that it was time for her to come clean. Starting with her telling me more about herself than, and I quote, I ever wanted to know. That she moved here with a guy who changed. And so she cheated on him with another guy. Who she then cheated on with another guy. She painted a picture of a loveless of loveless relationships in utter shambles, but trapped by shared dogs and expenses. I said I could wait for her to extricate herself, but I didn't want to be a cheater. But she argued that she couldn't live alone. She had too much stuff. She wanted to start our affair, you know, to lock me in, like she'd done so many times before. Again, I asked her not to. But when she pushed for nooners, on our lunch breaks instead, wearing the most alluring of outfits, and pulled me into the stairwell to make out? Well, she was hunting, her turn. And I held out as long as I could before caving, and thus sealing my fate. The only way to lift the curse was to curse someone else. So I let another prince kiss the frog lady, and I was finally free. So now I don't try to woo quite so hard because then I might turn the head of another cruel, bored princess who measures relationships by whether or not they were, and I'm quoting, a good run. We had a good run, she said as she left me, like it was a horse race or something and not the annihilation of my romantic life. Dodged a bullet there, I tell ya. So now I look to connect with people with no preconceived goal or label in mind. I'm still open to intimacy, if it arrives naturally through mutual appreciation and not through overtures or prancing and fumbling about in a game, a dance, a sport, or a hunt. It's always when you're not looking, they say. But what they mean is, 
when you're open without being desperate. And the way to not be desperate is to find other things to occupy your time so that you don't fixate and ignore all the potential for pain. Every girl I have ever convinced to date me, based on overtly romantic gestures, has later revealed that she wasn't really feeling me, but being bored and stressed and flattered, figured, why the hell not? I'll tell you why the hell not, because it's a fucking lie is why the hell not. Faking it to make it just breaks it in these cases. No thank you, madam. Better you just jog on, you jag off. There are people I like spending time with, and people I do not. I spend more time with the first group than the second is all. I'm open to having acquaintances and colleagues and friends, and I'm open to sweethearts, plural. Because being the end-all and be-all for one person is made all the more exhausting when they never return it. Fixation was my fix, but it only bagged me heartless chicks. So then I switched and took it slow, allowing something real to grow. No more games or hunts or tricks, nor painful sexual politics. Sure, things may not always work out, but with honesty and communication, it takes away the maddening doubt. This is just when this is This is just one man's story. Find what works for you. Just know that it needn't follow someone else's template when looking for a suitable date. Ha ha. Yowza. <laughs>